This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I always think it's my responsibility to take you to the boundaries of some things and to propose some new thinking to you. Not for the sake of being novel or different, but because I think it's important that we always explore the boundaries of our relationship with God. Dave, can't you pull us back a bit? The, the boundaries of our relationship with God. So we sit and say, okay, well, where can we go with this and what are the possibilities? If there's one thing that's become so apparent to me, it is the fact, and I don't mean this in a cliched way because we hear this all the time, but the crux of your Christianity rests in your relationship with God. The purpose of your life is to explore that relationship in detail and to get yourselves in a place where we are immersed in an intimate, rich, and rewarding relationship with him. Okay, you were with me one minute ago, and then did we take a detour somewhere? In the pursuit of your relationship with him, your life will change. The challenge with it is what happens is as we journey through life, there's so much stuff that happens and there's so many chapters and there's so many distractions that very often what ends up happening is we're looking for God to appear or to do something in the situation as opposed to remain focused on him and who he is. This isn't the deeper yet. This is the introduction. This is is good stuff. Bring it on. Come on now. And so... I want to explore relationship in, in a little bit more detail, but I think it's, it's probably more a man thing than anything, but men hate stuff like relationships talk, you know, it's like, and it's, it's like love talk, nobody likes love talk, it's that airy, fairy, namby, pamby, blah, 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 and it's like, what I want to suggest to you today is this, leave your mind open, because your concept of relationship and your concept of love, I would venture to say, um, are not whole. Let's put it that way. And I think that if we were to explore that, which we're going to do from God's perspective, it'll change your paradigm and your understanding as to what that really means. And so all of those tough and testosterone-driven men out there will feel a lot more comfortable with that. I want to read this morning from John chapter 15. Everybody knows this because we use this pretty frequently. But I I want to get into it in a little bit more detail. John 15 verses 4 and 5. It says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. When Sarah and I got married, what happened is something new came into existence. In the moment that she said, I do, and I said, I do, the two became one. And when the two became one, the area that defines the relationship between her and I is called marriage. Marriage does not exist in and of itself. 
Marriage is a living, vibrant, dynamic entity which defines the interaction of her and I in that context. It's not static, it doesn't stay the same, but it moves and it's fluid and it's flowing and things are happening in it all the time because she's shifting and she's adjusting and she's changing and so am I. The contributions we're making to those things and the way in which we, we respond to what's happening in that context is affecting her and it's affecting me all the time. That relationship becomes something which takes on significance in your life. When you decide that I want to move from a place where I'm no longer going to be a bachelor, but I'm going to learn what it is to be a husband, I have to let some stuff go so that I can walk into that arrangement. When I walk into that arrangement, I can't live there as a bachelor because I'm going to find that it doesn't fit that paradigm. So I've got to leave some stuff behind, and in leaving some stuff behind, I'm going to discover some things that are new. And they may be different, and they might be uncomfortable for me in that space. The thing about it is this. In that place, what keeps you there is something called love. You see, when you met that person, you thought that you really, really loved that person. But what I would venture to guess is it was probably unbridled lust. It was the whole concept of as long as you make me happy, as long as you make me laugh, as long as you make me fulfilled, as long as these moments and this titillation lasts, I know that I love you. But it's in the context of marriage where all of a sudden I begin to understand what love is. Because it says, to what degree will you pay the price? All the men are saying, yes, yes, yes. This is the woman that you've got to say, that's right, you to speak. It's in that context. It's a, how much will it cost me? And I stick there because it might be uncomfortable. But you know what? I'm in it for the long run. I'm in it because I'm committed to something bigger and something better. I'm committed to moving to a relationship that's bigger and fuller and more robust and richer. And because of that, I understand that the entity doesn't change unless I change. It doesn't shift unless I shift. It's not something where I can wave a a magic wand and all of a sudden, bang, marriage happens. If you're challenged in your marriage today, get with the Holy Spirit because what you might find is there might be some changes that you have to make. And what I can promise you this, you are 50% of the variable in the mix. When you shift and you change, that will move. But that's not the point of the discussion. The point of the discussion is this. When you come into that mix and you get into that space called marriage, something uncomfortable is going to happen to you. You see, up until this point in your life, you've been able to be you, and you've been able to live like you, and you've been able to hide a lot of stuff that was all about you. But when you step into this whole mix, and when you start living in this space called marriage, you're going to find yourself exposed. You can hide it from your friends. You can hide it from your work associates. But when you come home, the wife knows. I know what you're about. I understand who you are. And in that place, there are two things that happen. Number one, I have to get comfortable with the fact that I can trust you with who I truly am. Can I trust you with it? 
But secondly, understand this. In that context, there's going to have to be some shifting and some changing and some adaptation and some movement that has to happen. Because in that place, when I come face to face with the truth as it presents itself to me, there is an accountability that goes with that. You can defend it, you can pretend it's not there, or you can be be mature and embrace it. And sit and say, I'll take responsibility. And what do you do from there? Things happen and things are dynamic in the context of intimate relationship. And it's the same with God. We can live a functional life with God where we want to be out there and we're doing our stuff and we're looking for God's hand in this and God provide for that and God bless me with that and God take care of my future and God bless my path. It's everything out there, but you know, we live a functional Christianity. We have no context for intimacy. It's in the context of intimacy and discovering that place, the secret place between him and I, and nobody else goes into that area. The secret place between him and I where you will be vulnerable. And you can trust him. Because the point is he wants to do some stuff in your life. And some of those things that have been hindrances and problems, that have been issues, that have been... Withholding you from stepping into so much more that he has for you. He's going to present that to you. The good thing about God is he doesn't only present you with the truth. But he gives you everything you need to step into it. And so it's in the grittiness of this context that we begin to walk out our true Christian experience. You can live out there and you can do stuff out there. But if you're really serious about God, you've got to find the secret place. It's in the secret place that meaningful things happen. You might be dubious, so I'm going to prove it to you today. It's in, the, it's in the secret place that the grittiness happens. It's in the secret place where your life will change and you'll walk into a deep, meaningful, and intimate relationship with him that is living, that's vibrant, that's dynamic, where he is part of your life every single day. And you live in a place where we interact with one another on an ongoing basis. The relationship and the connection between the vine and the branch is a living one. It's a living one. Say, I am the branch. Okay. You're the branch. You hold on to that because I want you to find yourself in the story. The connection between the the vine and the branch is a living one. It is defined by the spirit of that was in Christ when he walked the earth. That is in the Son today. And as a believer, he's wanting to impart it to you and so that it births life. The union that we enjoy with him is something which is completely of his doing and not ours. The union that we enjoy with him is one spirit between us. And partaking in the life that that offers. That draws us and brings us together. There's something interesting about this. Because without the vine, the branch is nothing. 
We've all heard that teaching. We're all dependent on the vine because from the vine we get our life, we get our sustenance, we get everything that we need. And it's important. But I've come to realize something as well. The vine is also dependent on the branch. You see, without the branch, the vine never bears fruit. This is what Jesus has done. What he said is, I trust you so much and I love you so much. I'm going to introduce a relationship of dependence. You dependent on me for your life. You dependent on me for your sustenance. You dependent on me for everything that you need. And me dependent on you to be able to produce fruit out in the world. It introduces us to purpose. What he's saying is, your life has meaning. Your life has consequence. Your life is substantial in the place in which you find yourself today. Because you're to be a fruit bearer. The fruit that you produce in your life has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the vine. But the vine needs you to produce the fruit. It's the fruit that touches the world. It's the fruit that touches the world. Matthew chapter 22 verse 37 and 38. The Pharisees are busy talking to Jesus. And they say to Jesus, Jesus tell us something. Like what is the most important commandment? And Jesus looks at them and he says, The most important commandment, the number one, the numero uno of all commandments is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your mind. Remember those three terms. Your heart, your soul, and your mind. I can pray for you to, do, to get some stuff, but there's some places I can't go for you. There are times where people want to touch from God, and it's important to get those. There are times where you may need somebody to pray for you for healing. You may need some prayer because you have a situation where you're looking for God to intervene. You can come up and you can get a touch from God for those particular situations. What you're doing is you're riding on somebody else's faith. The thing is, you can get a touch, but a touch is not enough to sustain you for your life. Your touch is for a situation. It's important to get touches. Don't get me wrong. What I'm talking about is something deeper. I'm talking about relationship. What I'm saying is our relationship cannot be sustained on a touch. It's important to desire the things of God. Because it bursts on the inside of us hunger. We're looking for things of God and we want the things of God. It's important to be people who are continually in pursuit to sit and say, God, I want more of you. I'm looking for more of you. I'm wanting those things that characterize and define who you are. I'm wanting to step into a deeper, and more meaningful relationship with you. And it's important to have that stuff, but it's not enough. What I'm going to propose to you today is the most important element of all of those things is submission to him. It's putting myself in a place where I sit and say, Father, I'm looking for transformation in who I am. And I'm not moving from the space. I want you to work in my life. And I know that you may show me some stuff that 
in some ways might be uncomfortable for me, but you know what? I'm wanting to embrace that. Why? Because I'm wanting to step into all that you have for me. I'm wanting for every area of my life to be defined by your will. Every area of my life should be at a place where it's not my will, but thine be done. What is his will in every area of my life? Not only is what is his will in every, every area of my life, but he really wants his life to flood every part of who we are. I mean, that sounds really nice and it's a great thing to present and all the rest of it. But practically, what does it mean? What does it mean? How does he flood my life? How do I shift some things about who I am? I'm glad you asked because Rafa wasn't here to ask. <laughs> he was pay- Rafa was paying attention instead of asking questions. <laughs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He's touching on that L word again. If we look at it from our perspective, I would propose that we're going to miss what he's saying. You see, when we read that, what we think it really says is, be dedicated and committed to me. Pursue that. What I'm going to suggest to you is something slightly different. God is love. It's who he is. When he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, what he's saying is, what I'm asking you to do, you're not capable of doing unless you let me flood your life. When you let who I am flood your life, all of a sudden what will happen is I'm inviting you into transformation. I'm inviting you to allow my love to move into every space inside of who you are and give redefinition to it so that the very nature of who I am begins to evidence itself in the way you think and the way you feel and the foundation to your life. My love is there to change everything about you so it moves you to a place where all of a sudden who I am moves to a place where I can love who he is because we are one and the same. Love the Lord your God with who I am. Let me come in and transform you so that who you are begins to look like who I am. He's wanting to change some stuff in us. He's wanting to move some stuff in us. The thing about it is when we move into that space, we begin to recognize that there are some things that... I think I'm capable of doing because I understand them. The challenge with it is, your understanding plays no part in God's economy. (laughs) But I am a deep thinker. (laughs) Does Lord not understand this? I'm going to explain to you why. I had to give you an understanding of my relationship with Sarah and I was to talk to you a little bit about why I love her and what love means to me and my commitment to her and how she touches me and influences me in so many different ways and I was to talk to you about the fact that the happiest part of my day when I wake up in the morning and I get to spend time with her before she rushes out with the kids. Oh, 
And my other happy part of the day is it's nothing about the work people. I love you to bits. But at the end of the day, when I come back, and you know what? I get to see her there. And it's like, I talk to you about what it is. And you're listening to everything that I have to say about her. And you're getting a concept and an idea about what this whole thing is called love. And you're able to sit and say to people, you know what? I know what love is about. Love is sacrificial. And love is when you see some. And love, blah, 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 blah. you've got all the ideas about love, but you have no concept of love until you fall in love. You fall in love with the person of your dreams. And you know what? Everything that you thought seems totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Why? Because the very foundation of my being has been affected in a way that I was never able to do through an understanding of what love and romance were all about. I fell in love and all of a sudden, bang! It wasn't just a mental ascent and some knowledge, some understanding, a recognition of a concept and a principle. The very fiber and the fabric of my being, the very intimate parts of who I am, leapt up and I could feel it. And it was like, oh, I just have to call her. But she only left three minutes ago. But I miss you so much. What happened? There's something that took root in my life. There's something that was birthed on the inside of who I am, which was a passion, which was deep, which was more meaningful than just a cerebral understanding of what love is. That's what God wants to do in your life. We want to live with the concept of who God is, but we don't live in that place where we've fallen in love with him. What he's saying is, you can have a concept of me, or you can be fully overwhelmed by who I am. God is not interested in your ideas. He's interested in overwhelming you. So, when we were in Paris... The Paris are, are, the Parisians are interesting people, but they're finickety. I quite like finickety people because <laughs> they're particular. I like particular people. And they're like, okay, we have bakeries. We went on a, on, on a tour, uh, a food tour. And they're like, we have bakeries. Now, see this. This is a bakery that does these things. And see this. This is a bakery, and this bakery does bread. Okay, so if you want bread, that's where you go. You don't go in there for other stuff, you go there for bread. And you see this bakery. This bakery bakes croissants. You don't get your bread there. You get your croissants there. You have particular bakeries. We think we're fine going to Wegmans Bakery. Oh! Just as well Julian's not here. He couldn't live with it. Oh, dear Lord, help me. You sit down, and I'm not a big croissant people until I'm in Paris. But you sit down, and you cannot describe what those croissants are like. They are so good. Vivian is a big croissant person. So I came home and I was like, Vivian, you know what? They are the most incredible croissants ever because they are so thin. It's like rice paper. They're tiny. They're so thin and fragile. And they're so crispy on the top. And the funny thing is the minute you break it open, it's so soft and it it just like dissolves in your mouth. They're the most delicious things ever. And she's listening to everything that I'm saying. And she's gaining a concept and she's gaining an idea. And although she has the best idea ever, she's never eaten one. It doesn't matter how much you know until you've tasted it. It's when you taste it that suddenly it comes to life. 
taste and see that the Lord is good. I want you to know something. He's made a way for you to taste and see that he is good. If you don't believe me, I'm going to prove it. <laughs> so here we go. Now you have to stick with me because it's, uh, uh, stick with the, the, the module here. The men know a little bit about this because I touched on it yesterday with the men's meeting. <laughs> That's roughest shout out for the men who don't go. <clears throat> okay, so it's important that you understand this because I'm going to show you something that I always try to get practical with God because I think God, is in, it, God likes to be practical. I, you know, it's easy to have a motivational speech with God. Because you've got like all the powers in the world to talk about. It's like he can change your life. He can do this. He can create light. And it's like if you can't get people excited about God, you're in trouble. The question is people sit and say, well, how do I live this? I'm going to suggest to you an idea. Take it for what it's worth. It's, it's nothing that is, okay, whatever. Okay, so there are three parts to your being. Spirit, soul, and body. Okay, we're going to go on a little journey, okay? Just come, come with me. The soul. What did God speak about? Heart, soul. Good, you're paying attention. Heart, soul, mind. God was talking about your heart, your soul, and your mind. Your heart, your soul, and your mind is your soulish realm. Okay? In your soulish realm, you become self-conscious. This is where I develop a consciousness and awareness of who I am. When I step into this realm here, my flesh, it makes me world conscious. I access everything in my world by my touch, my senses, my see, what I hear, what I taste, croissants, what I feel. It's all my senses. It makes me world conscious. If I step on this side, is my spirit being which is on the inside of me. My spirit makes me God conscious as a born again believer. Okay? Okay, now we just hold on. We got getting there. We're not at the big point yet, Rafa. Hold on. So this is the point. Now listen, this is really important because now we're getting into the, the nitty gritty, the mechanics. You are defined by your beliefs. What you believe gives access to whatever and gives it access to your heart, your soul, your mind. Okay? My beliefs are important. God speaks so much about beliefs and the importance and the value of beliefs. Beliefs are important because on a continual basis they are giving definition to who I am. Every time I'm in a circumstance, every time I'm in a situation, every time I find myself, it's like, who are you? What makes you particular? What makes you unique? How do you respond to that circumstance or situation? Your beliefs are going to be fed by either your world consciousness or your God consciousness. They don't sit here in isolation. There are stimulus happening all the time. All the time there's stimulus going on. So, 
When I step between this place between my self-conscious and my world-conscious, what ends up happening is I put myself in a place where who I am is exposed to the world around me. I'm mixing with people all the time. I'm interacting with friends all the time. I'm eating stuff all the time. Stuff's happening and all is on an ongoing place. I'm engaging all the time. What's happening? All that my, my senses are engaging with are feeding stimulus into who I am all the time. Not every bit of stimulus is going to touch your heart, but they're going to be things that are poignant, things that are relevant, things that are charged. And when those things are charged, the question is, what happens at that place? I interact with somebody who's at school and they're bullying me. The idea comes up. People are cruel. People are cruel. There's the idea. The idea moves from world consciousness, because I've been interacting with them. I heard what they said. I felt what they did. My emotions were hurt. I saw a number of them doing it together. So the idea from the world comes in. People are cruel. It's not the idea that's the problem. It's the nature that comes with it. You see, the idea is going to live in your head. People are cruel. But the nature from the world that's going to come in is one that sits and says, because people are cruel, you need to be away from people. Don't expose your heart. Live from a place of fear. It doesn't tell you that. But that's the nature of what's coming in. You see, the thought lives in your head. But the nature of that thought is looking for opportunity to get into your heart. And if it gets into your heart, it forms the foundation of your life. It's natures that get into our heart. The reason that it's so challenging is because all of a sudden I've got a nature that's alive on the inside of me. And what happens? Nature produces after itself. How can a good tree produce bad fruit? How can a bad tree produce good food? What is he saying? What's established on the inside is going to produce after itself. It's the nature that's established on the inside of me that becomes problematic because it's producing after itself. And so every time as I grow up and I start interacting with potential relationships, I I don't want to do that. Uh, We can have fun out there, but don't get too close because people are cruel And I'm afraid I will get hurt. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the issues of life. Your future is determined by the nature that's resident in your soul. It's easy for us to be at a place where we allow the natural world to influence who we are. Because we're engaging with the world on an ongoing basis all the time. It takes maturity to put the brakes on that. You see, God never called us to be influenced by the world. God called our beliefs to be defined by our God consciousness. But it creates a problem. You see, the thing is, when you are self-conscious, and you're aware of the fact that God is in my spirit... And I want to become God conscious. I don't know how to access that. 
I can access my world because I can touch it and I can feel it and I can taste it and I can smell it. I can access my world because I've got senses. But how do I get to my spirit? I don't know how to get to the secret place. I can't get to the secret place because I don't know how to do it. I need some tools. I need something. How do I get some definition of something that is vibrant and alive on the inside of me? God knew we would need to get to that place. And he knew that without his contribution, we would never be able to understand it and give definition to it. So he's given us something called his word. You know what his word is? His word is a menu. So when you walk into the bakery, it says, would you like butter croissants plain? Or would you like chocolate croissants with little croissants? It's a menu. Listen to me. Listen, this is important. The menu is not the croissant. There is no life in the Logos. The life is in the Rhema. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you find eternal life. And these are those that testify of me. But you do not come to me that you may have life. You know what it's saying? The Bible that he's given us is the Logos. It's God's advertising. What he's saying is, I'm telling you about the God life. I'm telling you about, if you want to be God conscious, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is my nature. This is what I want to do. This is my love for humanity. It's speaking and advertises who he is all the time. It's speaking about him because it's calling us to have an introduction to the secret place. John 6.63 My words are spirit and they are life. What is he saying? It's the rhema. It's not the logos. The Logos is there to advertise and speak to us about who God is. But the intention is that the Logos takes us to a place where we sit and say, I got to have the rhema. I got to get into that secret place where I understand who God is. But I I need to get the life. I can't give you faith. I can't give you faith. I can't pray for you to have faith. The only place that you're going to get faith is when you get into the secret place because it's gifted by him. Faith comes by hearing. It's the rhema. I can't give you peace. There are times in our life where there's so much happening around about us and it feels like all hell is broken loose and there's so many reasons that want to attack who you are and what you're all about. It wants to attack and interrogate your your sense of peace and your sense of stability. I can't give you the peace in that and reading that God is somebody who wants to introduce you to peace isn't going to help you unless it directs you to the secret place. What is it that's so important about the secret place? nature you see you can speak about peace you can hear about peace you can read about peace but until you are introduced to peace you don't experience it I know about it up here I know God wants me to be peaceful the thing about it is I've got to have the life I've got to have the nature that goes with it because when the nature moves into that space and begins to define my heart and my soul and my mind What happens? It begins to infuse those very parts. It's something that I can't get from my understanding. 
That's why I can't think myself peaceful. I can't think myself joyful. When times are rough and times are, I can put myself in a safe place when I've understood and I know what the secret place is. Because when there's times outside and everything's wrecking my heart and I'm so disillusioned and things are hard and things are tough and it's painful, I can move to the secret place. Because it's in the secret place that despite what my feelings may be and despite what my senses may be alive out here, I can leave that aside because I want to become God conscious. And in the God consciousness, the nature of who he is evidences itself as peace. And I sense it, not because I know it, but because it's birthed on the inside of me. Unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Your beliefs are important because your beliefs are the channel that God uses to take his nature and the power of God and let them flow into your heart. He uses your beliefs to do that. That's when you're straddling the space between my self-consciousness and my God-consciousness. We're allowing him to come into that place and flood that. What happens when he floods that? All of a sudden, something on the inside of me, his nature begins to take root. It starts to get established. When I'm in that place, what I end up with is, I end up with the nature of Christ and the power of God working inside my heart. What is it doing? It's holding a revolution. Christ is the victor. When you're sitting in a place where it's like, I'm anxious and I'm worried, you can't get rid of it. Christ can. When you're sitting in a place where you're sitting saying, you know what, I'm, I'm fearful about tomorrow and I'm fearful about COVID and I'm fearful about getting a disease and I'm fearful about dying. I'm fearful about, you can't change your fear. He can. When you get to a place where things around about you just seem to be coming unstuck and you need him to be able to pull you through, you won't be able to do that, but you can move into a place where he can. What is he doing? What ends up happening is Christ the victor in a practical way is inside of my heart. And what he's doing is he's overthrowing whatever is sitting on the throne of your life in that space. And he's taking up a leadership role. What does it introduce me to? Thy kingdom come. What is the kingdom is within me? The kingdom within you is the reign and rule of Christ. His nature and the power of God in that area. When you step into, I can live in peace. What's happened? It's just become an area that's been overthrown by the kingdom in your life. And all of a sudden, the reign of rule of Christ in that life becomes evident. Not because I know it, not because I think it, not because I know that God's supposed to do it. All of those things are good and all the rest of it. But it's because I've got to that place where I recognize the need to be able to discover that secret place where I go to him as a child and say, I can't do this. I wanted to trade my fear for faith. I wanted to trade my anxiety for peace. I wanted to trade my depression for joy. It's the nature that's important. When that gets established in your life, what ends up happening is it empowers you to live from a different place.
I can move through life in a way that makes me peculiar. Because when the wheels are coming off everybody else's life, I'm the one sitting in peace. Why? Because I never had my heart defined by a world consciousness. I had the privilege of allowing my heart to be defined as a result of my Christ consciousness. It changes who I am. This is what I believe in a nutshell faith is. It's the power of your spirit living in your soul. Faith is the power of the spirit living in your soul. Second Corinthians, Colossians actually. Second Colossians, where was I? Colossians 2 verse 6 and 7. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Who's received Christ Jesus as your Lord? Okay, it's talking to you. So walk in him. Rooted in him. It means have a foundation that he is, he is the one who defines your foundation. Established in the faith and abounding therein. What he's saying is, the moment that you decided to make Christ Lord of your life, he came in and his nature redefined who you were. And spiritually, you now share the same spirit of Christ. You share the same life as Christ. What he's doing is he's sitting in my Christ consciousness and he's saying, I want to get into your self-consciousness. I'll tell you what, take that little pipe called beliefs and pull it out from here, world consciousness, and let's plug it into here, God consciousness. All things are possible to him who believes. Not, get the context, not who believes anything. All things are possible to him whose beliefs are defined from his Christ consciousness. When who he is begins to define who I am and how I see myself. When who he is begins to remake my heart and my soul and my mind. He's talking about your thinking, your will, and your emotions. All of those things are going to be redefined as a result of Christ's nature moving in to me. Things begin to happen in my life. Pursue God. Number one. Pursue him. Because as you pursue him. Because you love him. You're going to be shocked. I think the sad thing is. So many people who are bachelors and get married. Feel as though they have to sacrifice so much. For getting married. So many people who are not born again feel as that they're going to have to sacrifice so much and sacrifice so many pleasures in order to meet God. If you feel that, I must tell you this, he's going to disappoint you. Because he offers nothing but complete satisfaction. The things you think you have to give up, when you move into that space where he starts to redefine who you are, you will move to a dimension of understanding with the mind of Christ. Things that I didn't understand before. I'll move into a dimension of living that I didn't know before because it's no longer defined by world consciousness. I'm now Christ conscious. 
it moves me to a place where all of a sudden, as I move into that space where I don't just know about him, but I'm overwhelmed by his passionate love for me that does things in me like put inside of me the peace and the joy and the love and the faith and the confidence and the trust and everything that I can't get in and of myself. What ends up happening is my life begins to change and things begin to move in a different direction. And it has nothing to do with me other than the fact that I made a choice. And I was deliberate about shifting where I moved my influence when it came to my beliefs. You have the freedom of will to put it anywhere you want. And sometimes in the moments where things are most heated and most passionate, when they're most challenging and there's most stuff going on around about you, what will end up happening is it's very easy for us to forget who we are and to simply fall over to becoming world conscious. Stop. Move back to being God conscious. The possibilities of your life in that context, all things are possible to him that believes. He'll give definition to possibilities that you never realized. I am finished. I just want to think about, just give me a minute to see what to do. Can we all stand, please? There are two things I want to do now. The one thing is this. If you need prayer out there and you need a touch from God because of your situation or what's going on in your life or what's happening in your body or if you need God's touch, I want you to come up at the end of the service so people can pray for you. The other thing that I want to do is this. If you're serious about God, I want you to be intentional. I want to take a minute and I want you to make a commitment to him. Don't do it lightly. Don't do it because everybody else is doing it. But if that's the intention of your heart, what I want you to do now is bow your heads, close your eyes, I'm going to give you a minute. I want you to, you don't, you don't have to say this out loud. You just say this, this is between you and God. Father, I want to thank you for the tremendous work of Jesus who's victor, who's champion over all things. Jesus, I want to get to know you more. I thank you for opening my eyes to see how who I am can be defined by either the world consciousness or Christ consciousness. I make a decision today. I choose you. As I embark on that journey, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to lead me and guide me. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, 
for your presence and that I will know your directing. Father, I come to you with arms open wide and I invite you and your love to flood my life. I surrender every area to you. Have your will in those spaces and flood them with your presence. I thank you for it now in Jesus' name.